This is the John Oakley Show podcast. It is that time. Yep. Panel portion of the program. Topics worthy of discussion. Our friend Ernie Eves, a former premier of Ontario, as well as finance minister. Hello, Ernie. How are you, John? Johnny's good. How's Uh, your golf game? My golf game's not too bad. How about yours? Mine was pretty decent yesterday. Well, there you go. See, you got got more time to play. I got to do this stuff. (laughs) You know, if I could work around this. You just played for a week. Well, I did. did. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, (laughs) your skills erode by Tuesday. (laughs) So... John Turley-Ewart is with us, the risk management consultant specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. John, thanks for coming in. You're welcome. I appreciate it. And Dan Moulton, a consultant at Crestview Strategy, that's a public affairs agency, and one-time advisor in the McGinty and Wynn governments. How's Dan doing? I'm doing great, John. Thank you, too, for coming in. By the way, uh, just following up conversation I had with the Minister of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade, Vic Fideli. Ernie, I'm going to defer to you because I know we've discussed this in the past, and it's just mind-boggling to me, as it was to Mr. Fideli, because the Premier's meeting out in Saskatoon, we're talking about interprovincial trade, the trade barriers that don't allow trucks like to go from one end of the country to the other without actually having to be vetted in each respective province. I mean, there's ridiculous stuff that are uh, impediments that obviously... Uh, hurt uh, the trade that uh, would open up the economy, they say, by up to $130 billion annually and increase our, gro- increase our gross domestic product by up to 4%. What the hell are these impediments? Well, uh, <laughs> this is a subject that I, you know, wrestled with for six or seven or eight years. It, it is ridiculous. That we, do, we talk about free trade with other countries, and we don't even have free trade within our own country, which I find absolutely unacceptable. I remember uh, it was a year or two ago that they made a big to-do out of, well, we're solving all these problems. We agreed on 101 things or something. Yeah, 101 out of about 1,100. <laughs> <laughs> Only missing the other 1,000. Um, you know, it's a very parochial protectionist mentality. I think it's safe to say, regardless of who the government in Ontario has been, we've always generally be, been in favor of freer trade, but there are some very protectionist jurisdictions in the country that do not want to open up their market to the freighting, I guess, the big bad people from Ontario or other larger provinces might swallow them up and their businesses would no longer be able to compete, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, all right. So That's now- like saying if you have a company in Alabama, you can't sell goods in New York State. You know, I think it's kind of ridiculous. All right. But now you have uh, at least a half a dozen conservative premiers who all meeting in Saskatoon. It's a mutual admiration society. Do you think that this is the impetus that will put it, you know, punch the ball over the goal line and maybe you've accrued to the benefit of somebody like Andrew Shear? Well, I think that that should happen. But it's still not all the premiers, and uh, there's the federal government to be considered as well. I mean, you everybody sort of talks a great game, and they utter the platitudes, oh, yes, we'd like to see freer trade between the provinces. But when it really comes down to, all right, sign off here, it's totally wide open. 
I don't see that happening in the near future. Maybe I'm just too yeah. jaundiced for my experience. Well, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a partisan issue, and I, I agree with you there, Ernie, in that it doesn't matter the striped government in Ontario. Typically, Ontario governments have been in favor of freer trade between the provinces, and, you know, a lot of provinces play sort of lip service to this. Um, but it's really not a political winner, and that's that's really the issue. It doesn't get many people fired up from a political standpoint. Public policy, it's a no-brainer. It's the right thing to do. Uh, but from a political standpoint, it's kind of risky for a lot of premiers across the province who have certain constituencies that feel protected by the current barriers to certain interprovincial trade uh, that it would be a political loser. And it's just not a political winner because nobody gets excited about it. It's not something that, you know, really you know, drives up voter interest, drives up a lot of attention for uh, for premiers and for politicians across the country. And so it just ends up being, you know, to be honest with you, when the premiers all get together every summer, I think it ends up becoming the big agenda item when there's really nothing else anybody can agree on to talk about, because it's something that's really easy to have as your sort of showcase agenda item that everybody can pay lip service and talk about, but nothing's actually going to get Well, done. then don't we need leadership to step up to the plate? I mean, if they're talking about boosting Canada's economy by up to $130 billion annually and the gross domestic product increases by up to 4%, I mean, how, how, why is that a tough sell, John? Because there's losers in that process. And who are they? Those are the ones who are going to lose jobs to the provinces that have uh, bigger, let's say, uh, uh, businesses that can, let's say, design infrastructure. So do the folks in New Brunswick want to have their roads and bridges uh, designed out of uh, Toronto rather than out of uh, New Brunswick? Do they want to lose that those jobs? Probably not. Uh, you know, as Dan was saying, that's, a, that's not a political win for a premier. Does Nova Scotia want that? Does Quebec want that? Does, does BC want that? And... You know, there's no question, as people say, uh, policy-wise, it's the way to go. But politically speaking, you have people knocking on your door saying, oh, well, how come all this business and all this provincial money that, you know, we pay in taxes is going to Ontario companies or to BC companies? That's the question they get. And the other thing they get is don't come looking up at me for a donation when you want to <laughs> run for a premier next next time round. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, uh, I'll move quickly through this. Uh, speaking of job losses up in uh, Thunder Bay, the Bombardier situation has uh, people pointing fingers, uh, accusations, recriminations between the province, the feds, federal riding of liberal Patty Haydu. And uh, then you've got, of course, northern development, which is a key component of the Ford government's, you know, interest to, uh, you know, uh, satisfy the hinterlands. This political football, Ernie, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, the potential for layoffs because there isn't enough uh, product being demanded because I guess the infrastructure projects haven't gone ahead. Who or what's to blame for this whole situation? Any idea? Well, I think you could, there's lots of blame to share to go around here. Um, you know, I have a I have a novel idea. Why don't the provincial and federal governments work together to the benefit of the employees in Thunder Bay? That would be a novel idea. I don't care what political stripe they are. You're there to represent those people. I don't care what political stripe you wear, whether it's you know, federally or provincially. You should be trying to do everything you can do to protect those those employees. You know, the other part of this, of course, is Bombardier. Uh, seems to know how to use the system pretty well to their own benefit and turn up the political heat on the, both the provincial and federal government. That's what's going on. That's it's very clear that's what they're doing. This is contract hardball on the part of Bombardier. And they're 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 very Ernie's right. They're very very good at this. Um and sad, you know, the the 500 people that are whose jobs are on the line. They haven't been laid off yet, uh, but their jobs are on the line. 
they're being sort of treated as political football here because Bombardier is playing hardball with the province, uh, certainly. Uh, the province is the, the primary contract uh, participant for the trains that are made at that Thunder Bay site, certainly the city of Toronto as well with the new streetcars. Um, you know, th- that's really what this is about. This is about Bombardier saying, fulfill the back half of those those contracts, which, you know, haven't been filled yet uh, by the city or by the province, uh, to deliver more streetcars, more light rail vehicles that get built at that Thunder Bay that, uh, Thunder Bay plant. And, you know, sadly, I think, look, is it good to have rail cars used in Toronto built here in Ontario? Yeah, I generally think it is. And I think that those people's jobs uh, are, are, are worth saving if it means building uh, our, our streetcars up at that, that plant. Uh, and I will say, you know, to Bombardier's credit, they have turned around the production uh, of streetcars in the city. They've been, you know, seriously delayed, uh, but they are now meeting their targets. We're going to see the full order delivered by the end of this year. And they're looking to see the next set of those streetcars build at that plant. And they're clearly pretty good at this hardball game, that's for sure. Oh, give, give them credit there, Olga. Well, uh, it's out outrageous what Bombardier is doing. This is this is what you do when you can't manage a company, when you can't deliver a product. You, you put the screws to, to the to politicians. Metrolinks canceled a whole lot of their delivery product from Metro, from uh, from Bombardier because they couldn't meet the requirements. They couldn't meet the requirements in Toronto. They may have picked it up now. But there's also instances in Europe where their quality uh, standards are down. They haven't sold any more contracts. And People are forgetting, you know, we have to have a competition. We just finished talking about competition for who is the best supplier here. And it's tax dollars money being being put on the line. Do we want streetcars that are going to be delivered on time and have quality? Metrolink said, yes, we need to have that for our light radial vehicles. And no, Bombardier is not the people to do it. So, you know, and the other thing I understand is that the contract that they're trying to negotiate with these people in Bombardier, there's no guarantee that the work will actually happen here. Recall, part of the problem with the streetcars is that portions of it were made in Mexico and shipped up here. Yeah, we and heard then, that from Buzz. So and it didn't that. work. They, they didn't, the, the assembly, they, they were they mismatched. Right. So, you know, the thing is, is that Bombardier, uh, there's nothing, as far as I know, of them saying those jobs will even exist. Those, those streetcars that if you're going to increase the number of those or if you want to have more light rail vehicles could well be made in Mexico. But the politicians are snookered, aren't they, in the sense that uh, retaining jobs... No, 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 they're not snookered, because it's how you play it, right? So they should be coming out and going after Bombardier and saying, why haven't you produced the quality so that it's easy for us to say yes to your contract? Why don't you ensure that you have your your, uh, cars built here in in North Bay and in Kingston, Ontario? So it's easy for us to say yes, but you won't do that, will you? All right, well, the leverage is uh, the Ford government is saying to the federal liberals, uh, you haven't made a commitment to this transit plan that we posited a couple of months back, the $28.5 billion. Pony up your share, make the commitment, and then we can go forward with this infrastructure project that would order more cars for well, the, that's the massive very, expansion. I mean, that's very notional as well, because we actually don't know that the new line that the Ontario government announced would involve cars that are built by Bombardier, right? Well, they they the said argument. that they have a... Well, th- no, they, they don't know that. No, they've never said that publicly. Uh, we don't know what kind of cars they envisioned for the Ontario line, as it's called. Um, and so it's hard to say that those would actually be Bombardier vehicles. I don't think this is... Look, I think that if the federal government and the provincial government are going to fight about this. And look, it's an election year. I get why why it's happening from a political standpoint, but they're getting played if that's where the fight's going to be. John's right. If if this is contract negotiations, this contract hardball in the press, the fight's with Bombardier, not between the two levels of government. All right. Or it should be at least. 
Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 